0: Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Now, after the last episode, I was surprised to receive a a lot of messages and emails asking me how to find the old prison culture episodes. Well, turns out that um, I had forgotten how long ago I had recorded them. So, uh, yeah, there was a necessity to basically send you all guys to one place, because at the end of this this episode in the show notes, there will be links to both of these episodes, and also, I just wanted to make a short kind of in between my news episodes one, where um, I give you just the basic gist and what this is like, one-on-one, super super surface-level overview about this situation, because again, these uh, these things are so deep that uh, I have been re-recording this uh, intro and this episode. I mean, like this is the seventh, eighth, maybe recording. I I don't even know. Thing is, every time I catch myself repeating the stuff that I have said previously in those episodes and. Uh, It's a massive rabbit hole, and I just want to give you the notion about why this is such a rabbit hole here, because, oh boy. So, what this whole thing is, is that due to historical reasons, due to basically how many people Stalin had put into prison, this prison culture became super important. It was created in a way in gulags where political prisoners were together with career prisoners and it was a huge mess and no one liked the stalin and soviet union there Uh, basically a way how to internally organize prisoners amongst themselves and thieves managed to get on top of this situation Uh, so they became the top class in the hierarchy Uh, and then you know they organized themselves this way to counter administration and to run themselves in there. And then, well, when they came back after the rehabilitation period, that steeped deep inside our collective consciousness here in the post-Soviet sphere, which is a bad term, I know, but how do I describe all these countries on this side of the Warsaw Pact countries? I I don't know. Well, this, my, my region of the planet, basically, th- that part. So, these things uh, became ingrained in our minds to such a point where, um, if you watch currently any Russian analyst about the war, well, then he will definitely have mentioned something that that's clums, comes from these, because a lot of our slang comes from this prison culture, a lot of our understandings come from this our prison culture, and that's a bit of a tragedy as well, since uh, a lot of our negative aspects come from this prison culture, prison laws, понятия. Понятия, by the way, is, uh, I would call them notions. Notions are concepts, really. Uh, I would, basically, notions are a better word, I think. they They are quite close to the original. And... Well, notions normally would be each separate law, which would be combined together in the thieves' law. But you know, when when these days people would just say, "I'm living by the notions," or "I know what the notions are," then you know what they mean. It's it's that sort of thing. But uh, but yeah, they steeped in into our collective subconscious to the point where uh, we still use a lot of language coming from that era. This is where you know a lot of the swear words come. A lot of um. A lot of also dark things, like like uh, extreme intolerance to, towards anyone who's different, um, a lot of violence, cheating, um, you know, that stuff, organized crime-related stuff. So, that, that's not quite nice. Now, why they're important is, unlike, well, I don't know the unwritten rules by which, say, Italian mafia lives by, but, but as far as I understand it, they are more like, you know, traditions and... And things like that. The, not so with this. See these things basically as as I as I as I had them explained best to me by a, by a person who was very close into these things, who was quite high in the hierarchy at some point. Um he told me that these are very strict laws written in extremely vague ways. And well, in general, yes, but um there's ridiculous amounts of traditions and minor details that you'll find out about in the older episodes. But uh, unlike anything else, well, like I said, they were created to basically keep up an order in, inside of a gulag, okay? And surprisingly enough, they, they function. Like, you can organize a society based on these laws, and it will work. To, to an extent, to a perverse way, compared to our modern society, but it will work. This is a great way how to how to basically apply extremely violent, evil type of order in, in, in a totally chaotic society. They were made in a brutal environment and, well, they managed to work and they were respected enough because they were enforced by the very top dogs of, of organized crime throughout the Soviet Union. Well, back in the day when they had like more power. Of course, it waxes and wanes, but the notions are still there. And again, we try to get rid of them because oh, boy, the cultural significance of these things is uh, what, de- what derailed my, my previous attempt at recording this episode, so I won't touch them right now. But uh, they're somewhere there in the older episodes, I promise. Basically, and when the 90s happened then? When the 90s happened, well, obviously, as the organized crime gangs gained massive power upon the collapse of the Soviet government, they were living by these law- laws at that point. The leaders were these rulers, these thieves in law, so and they had to organize this anarchy between the organized crime gangs amongst themselves, and they picked this system, which was theirs by nature, which has just traveled, which had just traveled and continued there, well, since well, the Soviet era ended, like this was just continuation there, and, and like I said, it works. It, it's it's perverse, it's awful, but it works. It works if you want to instill some sort of fear, chaos, and dominance over a b- bunch of angry, unruly people who possibly hate each other. But, yeah. And, and so people in the 90s very well learned these laws because, you know, everything was run by organized crime back then. There was racketeering, there was, like, insanity. Younger people might, you know, not know exactly what's happening there, but if you grew up in the 90s like I did, then I just, I, I just knew these things and the traditions and what they meant, by by osmosis, basically, and I think so did everyone. And the older generation, they knew them by the studies that they were told by you know everyone who who were, was in prison or knew knew someone that was in prison. It was just so massive and widespread. I mean, when um, when people state that Soviet Union was a was a prison of nations, they're only half joking, half because you know half was actually in prison in the real one. So, but the thing is they, throughout all of this period, especially in the 90s, uh, for my generation, and through the Soviet era for the older one, they became ingrained and became kind of, you know, the, the prison slang went through every day. And so certain stereotypes about people went through with it. And, uh, well, what 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 does this have to do with, say, Putin and Pergozhin? Well, prigozhin has been sitting in prison for 10 years before he, you know, came out. He, he sat in prison in Soviet era, and... Um, now he runs Wagner Group. And he literally lives by these traditions. And Putin, after, well, he kind of... After there was no, no longer a KGB to work for, he moved to St. Petersburg and was quite, quite involved in these organized crime gangs. And like I said, they internally lived by these rules because they had been living by them all their lives. And, and if you're there on the top, then you kind of have to enforce them, even if you don't personally believe everything. Because, obviously, if you, if you just Google up them and, and you, find, you find the versions written by the thieves themselves, they always did it Oh, back in the old days. They were created by the whites who fought against the Reds. You know, it was in the 20s and, and we were just fighting for freedom. They always tried to make Robin Hoods of themselves, okay? But, um, you know, just like, just like Soviet leaders had internalized communism, or, or their version of socialism in, in their lives. Because, make no mistake, Gorbachev seriously believed in socialism. He truly believed that maybe he could keep the Soviet Union together. You know, there are people who seriously believe ide- ideologies. So so the same thing could be said about Putin And this. This is what Putin firmly believes in. This is his ideology. This is how he views the world. It's how he grew up with and gained any prominence with and, and how his... Whole cohort works. He's just now the biggest guy on top. Now, but what does this whole mean? Because I've been now explaining, again, super basic levels, and everything of this that you hear from me in this episode has 10 to 20 sub layers. And like I said, those are all the episodes. I just want to get this done because I have my news episodes to work on. So, what does this mean is that um, it's kind of a vague code. With a lot of subcodes, a lot of it is all about organizing day-to-day life in prison, because that's important. That you know who runs the whole jail cell, because in in Russian prisons and back in Soviet prisons, they had like huge barrack-type cells with like 30 to 50 people inside of them, and so that there wouldn't be any fights. You know, there someone had to keep up order. And so this this, by the way, is an answer to my question that I always ask people: What's the difference between the red and black prisons? In the red prisons order was kept by by the administration. In the black prisons it was kept by kept by the, these, you know, organized crime guys who sat on the top of the ladder. So, that's the thing. Blacks are run by the organized crime and reds are run by the state. So, over there in prison there are whole sort of rules and regulations. You, whenever you get some something from the outside world, you always have to pay in some part of it to the Common pool, which is then you know get, get given out to those whose relatives couldn't give them anything, or or who, who were like beaten up by the guards, all that stuff. Or they, they organize everyday life, and uh, to make it happen in such a world, one of the most important aspects of this whole system is that there are various suits. They call them suits, like in the in the card game, you know, like like card card suits. It's basically a cased system, but uh, except this has a gambling spin on it, because everything is tied to these gambling things there as well. And, uh, well, there are a lot of subsuits, of course, but basically there are the three types of them. Uh, on the top of everything sits the bratva. They are the career criminals, the organized guys, organized crime guys who run who run the prison's internal security, and they are also the guys who keep in touch with the with the outside world, who um, you know through their prisons still control drug trades, uh, smuggling, all sorts of stuff. You know, they are the the guys who are there and they know that this is their profession. Then there are the muziki. Mujik is basically just you know average dude, I, I suppose. Peasant man, uh, j- just uh, a man, but the derogatory term of it, sort of ish. But but like muzhiks are respected. They are the guys who just you know um, happen to be caught for like I don't know smoking weed uh, in Russia. So you smoke weed in Russia, you get to sent you get sent to, to jail for like I don't know two years, and you just go there, right? And and then you're just your average guy. You, you haven't. Um, you haven't denounced yourself in any way or form, but you also don't want to be a career criminal. These people, um, they are obviously in the hierarchy way below the bratwa, because Bratva sits on top. Again, tons of subsuits, whatever. But basically, Bratva sits on top, organizes everything, has ties to the outside world. Muziks are just regular guys who um, have to pay taxes to Bratva, still pay in Bratva's common pool. And they, they, you know, they're the guys who have to do... They they have to do stuff for for the Bratwas sometimes and and they basically you know they they're kind of um they they're kind of the serfs but in the better position since they're respected they are basically the middle middle class of of prison culture and then there are the Petuhi, the Apushinli, or the so called you know uh, roosters they are um, well, first of all, if you are a homosexual in such system, then you are that thing. Second of all, there are many other ways how to, how does one can accidentally really uh, became, like turn into a member of this suit subsuit. Again, tons of difficulties. But basically, in general, they have to live in their own separate cells. They can be beaten up uh, constantly. Um, They used to be raped and killed, but then they stopped because, you know, because of how easy it is to get into that case. That's kind of the ultimate punishment. And there's no way back. I mean, if you make one stupid mistake and you don't know what's happening, you'll be basically pushed down to go live by the parasha, which is kind of, you know, uh, the name for the common little toilet bowl that's sitting somewhere there in your 30 to 50 people barrack cell these are the very lowest of the low again every homosexual ever goes straight in there and and, you know you could go in there for really stupid reasons as well uh again more details there but um, for example what's important is that you they're basically untouchables you're only allowed them to even like beat them with legs okay and uh, and even if you like if you shake one's hand, you're automatically done. No one's gonna to talk to you ever again. And you're it's an ultimate pariah status. And you can't go back from it. And it's a pretty horrid study. Again, lots of it about this. Basically, they're the under they're the undercase, and you can get there, get in there for basically anything. There are strict rules that you know certain that the certain crimes are not punished by turning you into one of one of these subcast subcast members. It's a whole complex system that borders on the legal, real legal system in general. But that's how it operates. So, um, in general, um, everyone, if someone calls someone a petuchu that's kind of, you know, the ultimate fear of the situation. And it's always violent and it's always rude. and, um, And it's a sad state to be in. So when when he spe- when Prigozhin speaks about petukhs, he speaks about these people who have either through doing something or just being a bit deviant, either homosexuals or, well, I don't know, there are truly dumb reasons. Uh, thankfully, those are kind of going away. But basically, these are the people whose status is so bad that um, if if they if they have to go back to, to prison once again in the future, these are the guys who will enter your, your jail cell and they will have to state openly that they are of this case and then no one will touch them. And if they accidentally touch someone, yeah, like they, they didn't say something about like the fact they didn't, if they didn't publicly announce very openly their status and didn't act accordingly and they accidentally touch someone, well then, uh, this will explain the super violence of the system. The person whom whom they touched it doesn't matter that it happened accidentally. No, he's automatically also one of these by this point, instantly. And he never can go back. And he will also be forced to, you know, basically do whatever and, and f- forced into sexual slavery sometimes and awful things. Oh, by the way, you can have violent sex with the petuchs, but you can't touch them any other way. It, it makes no sense. Again, it's the logical, but it is how it operates. But but yeah, if if this random Petuch guy does this, then yeah, there's no way back for the guy whom he touched. But the Petuch himself will also then be killed afterwards, because that's an unspeakable, unforgivable crime. Like, the worst that you can make. This is the internal logic of this this happening. But that's happening inside of prisons, so I'm just talking about these Petokhi, because that's sort of a, you know, at the focus of, of this is, you don't want to be that guy, and if you touch that guy, you become that guy, and not only that, there's like, again subsuits and rules and i speak about them there but uh just watch out from that so this is what he, but he means by peto but now we move to the upper echelons under the situation musjiks just you know they they pay their taxes to the bratva they they don't get beaten up because again uh, this is there are no random prison fights in, in the soviet prison system in this in this thing that is is um, basically someone is not living by panache if you honestly have a kind of a Argument there in this whole prison system thing you honestly go to your your um, Representative and in, in the room basically well, someone sent from Bratva to look over your, your jail cell and then you talk to this person You explain to him your position. He might call the other person with whom you have a conflict with and then he will judge Accordingly according to these laws and, and it, it can be done. They are very strict very brutal but they operate like this uh, and the punishments can be various and, and you can be and you have to listen to this guy or well You know, you might just not wake up at one point. And th- th- this is how it operates there But again uh, on to the top of things See the prison part is very brutal But it, it essentially operates to keep up the organized crime alive and the people who work there Even alive in prisons and to make sure that in these big jail cells there is no nonsense going on Everyone lives by some sort of rules and like I said, in red colonies, uh, these are less widespread, the administration is brutal and controls everything, and well, yeah, they're they are the administration ones, the red ones. The black ones are run by this basically. Now Elny, meanwhile, by the way, sits in the very red colony. And interestingly enough, um, in, in Russia, the the whole mess with um the whole mess with the administration system and how prison administration treats prisoners is so brutal that um being in the red prison is considered to be a way worse situation to be in than to be in the black prison. And the black prison has all these prison cases, well, unofficially, but the administration respects them. J- just so, just so you know. So uh, imagine the situation where you have literally a, a sub of of these these people, these petuhib, and you know, um, th- there's about eight to ten percent of all prisoners are th- are in this case. Uh, about the same are in the very top, and about eighty percent are just the mujiks. But yeah, if, if if this is is considered more normal than whatever administration is doing, then then you know it's weird. And back when I made my previous episode, I remember when I was, when I was shocked when um. I I, I remember that, what was it? That at one of these episodes that I spoke about this, the the Bratwa had issued a new law, an edict, because they can these lawful thieves can issue an edict, and it's uh, it has to be spread through all the prisons. It's a whole system. Like I said, it's a. It's basically a governmental operation there, and it said that if the, if the administration rapes you during interrogations as torture, then you then you're not counting as petuch because otherwise uh, they would had to they would have to by these traditions put in so many of um, of of the prisoners in the petuch case that that would just ruin the whole hierarchy completely that they chose to make this amend. Okay, so just a side note, but just so you knew that it is still very active to this day. But again, about, about the top. The top technically has, um, has six main laws. First of all is the fact that he has to basically obey and support the, the thieves' idea. The whole idea of these laws existing. Then they're supposed to be honest to one another, and that's very specific to one another. It specifically does not mention being honest to anyone else. Uh, the higher-up thieves have to be respectful and honest, but only and only to other thieves. That, by the way, involves the fact that uh, the, any card game among amongst these highest uh, highest echelon guys, um, that it has to be it has to be like honest and, and pointed down everything. Again, everything's kind of gambling based here, and they also they they can't legally by the old traditions can't have any family. They have to uh, be- organize the whole upshock the common pool of, of you know keeping everyone who's starving in Russian prisons alive from their gang. Uh, They have to organize all this stuff, uh, all the logistics of of smuggling and stuff into prisons, logistics of, of drug deals, scam calls, all this stuff. They run the thing. They are the boss, basically, the lawful thieves. Well, now, now some of them have bought their position. Again, you know, when prisoners start to complain, criminals start to complain about something that, you know, something's dishonest and something some things have changed. Yeah, that's a bit silly, but basically they, their upper echelon rules are sort of specific in the sense that they also, you know, they can't have families and they can't cooperate with, with non-prisoners and all this stuff. But they're taken very seriously because, again, this is taken very seriously and ingrained with you if you are in this society because the punishments for breaking any of this stuff. And again, it's super vague. It's it's super vague but super super enforced unless you are in in a prison and then, you know, you really have to find out things because a lot of tiny details. Uh, by the way, the the younger the age of of the prisoner, the, the harsher and dumber that his tiny rules are. Because these days, and even back like in the sixties and seventies, you know, no one will just instantly kill you for for random nonsense. That's not for panaytia. Panaytia are to basically produce order. Punishments for breaking it are severe, but you know. That's if you're extra stupid. There, there are warnings, and you know there there will be people coming to talk over with you what was happening, and you know try to solve things in a normal way. Once, okay, once, but but you know that's that's the thing. It's not there to create chaos. It's there to truly be a lawful, 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 evil society, basically. And now these these top of the top of a gang guys, these lawful thieves, they can become such if if they follow through this. They have to be. In they have to be crowned. That's a whole ceremony. There is a ton of rules, and basically, at the point when you get to the top, you have been living with this system in your head for such a long time, and you have probably seen so many people been turned into petuhi and then, then totally their lives destroyed, and and you probably have seen people die and everything that you that you have internalized this to the point where there is no going back. See, you can so you simply cannot. Have been involved in organized crime, in in, in posts of sphere, sometime in the '90s or, or even above that, and not live by these laws. It is just unthinkable. It's not it's not something you grow out of. It's super hard, and they are all for life. It, like I said, if you are if you are a petuch, sometimes in in some sort of you know young age, you were sixteen, you got into I don't know, caused a car crash, got into jail for I don't know two weeks, okay. And, uh, and someone, you know, uh, did did something really dumb and stupid to you. I don't know. Uh, like I said, you might have accidentally even just shaken the hand of, of someone who is in the cast already and then you're done for life. And when I mean for life, I mean for, for life. And uh, not like people just <laughs> go on the streets and do this, but uh, yeah, I mean, even, even when you'll be like 60 or 70, uh, yeah, th- this is still going to be waving over you. And... I, I'm want to focus on this because that punishment is so severe and so brutal and so evil that um, that yeah, a lot of cases happen where where these guys just commit suicide upon you know making some stupid mistake. A lot of stories. Again, well, it's it's not always brutal, not that brutal. Order is being kept. People are trying to make sure that you know only the those who are considered deserving become pitux. but what is deserving is totally weird from from normal understanding obviously but, but still order is trying to be kept but the punishments are so bad that yeah uh, you're gonna have to kind of trust me on this one because i do not know how to convince you after saying all of this if you still don't believe me that these people they have to move into the society and if and, and putin has been hanging out with other lawful thieves and he is treated as an equal by them uh, at, at that point. And then he started commanding around the other uh, other oligarchs who also all had criminal ties, right? So, uh, stands to reason that he is one of them. Quite obviously, because, again, this is one of these things which uh, you tell to anyone from the post-Soviet sphere, my age and a bit older, and, and they'll just say, well, of course, there is no question about this. He lives by these laws. And... That's the thing in these laws, like I told you. The only rule is that the thieves have to be honest to one another. And of course, that's a bit broken. But if it's broken, then, you know, you can get into some actual trouble for that. There are collective collective judges and collective meetings and organizings and kind of conventions of these thieves and, and new laws. are. It's a whole legal system, a complex one of that. And again, I I apologize for the cat. He's... He's decided to be extremely active today, and I'm not gonna record this for the eighth time i have I have things to do like making a news episode, and this is long as it is but uh the thing is that um it is considered dishonorable among these thieves to basically be honest towards anyone else, and they they're supposed to treat their subordinates like garbage and and in that system. And that system, basically, being honest to someone who is not a thief is well, considered a bad thing. Not not if you're in the bottom. No, no, no. If you're if you're in top. If you're in the bottom, you can still scam people from outside world easily. But um, there is no even the concept of um, of an honest deal at all. It doesn't exist because the system was created in the gulag, and it was specifically created to somehow manage angry people who hated each other, okay? And like I said, it works. It it works for this society. It it organizes crime. It is very good for organized crime, yes. But, But within these laws, there is no place for an honest deal. There are rules about how you shouldn't cheat in card games. There are rules about winning and scamming. But again, this is all based on gambling. In the very structure of this whole thing, this is, um, this is all about a, a zero-sum game. For someone to win, someone must lose, because that's how card games work. And if you noticed, every, case, every sort of classification is called the suit from card games. You have to be good at card games too if you want to be this uh, thief-in-law. It, it is just ingrained in the culture that you know, there's the guy who wins and the guy who loses, and that's it. And you can be either one or the other. There is no win-win situation. There is no honest deal. It does not exist as a concept in their head. Because all of this is based around, well, the structure thing. But again, very card gaming, very gambling. And, and and like I said, no concepts of uh, honest deals whatsoever. So this is why people just don't believe when Putin makes a deal. Because he is from the system. To him, it's just unimaginable. If, if there's an honest deal going on somewhere there, then Putin thinks he's being scammed because he's not winning, but because he just cannot comprehend how is this even possible. And this also shows when... Um, by the way, this, this very specifically shows when, when Putin has been when Putin himself has been speaking about democracies. And this is a tangent that I kind of want to go on to here because I didn't go into this in previous episodes. When Putin speaks about democracies that he honestly does not even believe such a thing is possible. This is why there are always these rumors about, you know, how everyone organized some sort of revolution somewhere. Sure, I totally believe that the United States had an impact in a lot of places in the world. And, and you know, maybe maybe even even in Ukraine, maybe they supported some, some activists or something. But I know for certain that the, the very basic impact for the whole Maidan situation, did not come from anywhere outside Ukraine. It came from the people who were there because of how their their uh, president, who was totally a corrupt crook, and also was part of this whole system, well, how he treated all this situation. See, Putin firmly believes that elections are rigged everywhere and that people are only angry at him because he's being caught and he's not doing it the proper right way how the European colleagues do that. And Girkin and other pro-war guys as well, people who have been, you know, with deep connections into this world and and who have internalized this whole system, they they truly believe this. They truly believe that there are there are literally zero elections whatsoever, and that yeah, that everywhere else is just as corrupt. And that's not some sort of a fake thing. This is this is the, the honest opinion. So when when Putin. Thought that you know Ukraine is getting more Europeanized, he he couldn't possibly comprehend that uh, people would you know do do stuff on their own. The same way you know he always attacks the West about money. But he, however, you know again another thing that quite clearly shows, besides the fact that he uses this this slang constantly. If you remember, at one point in the past, he he spoke about um, terrorists and how. In this one of these speeches, how they should be beaten beaten up in the bathroom that is that is absolutely prison slang because this is the only place where you can beat beat things up. My cheats sartir is the specific bathroom which is in the prison cell of the fifty to meters he He uses jokes from this this sphere just to illustrate my point again. this is the eighth recording, and my cat is driving me insane today. Anyway, Putin just lives by the situation. He, he just couldn't comprehend this, and he could not comprehend this at the beginning of the war either. That was very, very visible. Because, according to his plans, you know, he expected that, you know, every, everyone is corrupt, he rules over things, and he rules over this perfectly corrupt system, which, you know, on paper runs on the Constitution, but no one cares about the Constitution, because these, these are the real laws, which he considers important. Not, not the Constitution of the Russian Federation, no one cares about that, that piece of paper. If you uh, haven't noticed yet, then for example, even the very existence of Wagner Group is unconstitutional, and he treats constitution just you know as a random piece of paper. It holds no meaning whatsoever in Russian Federation. It's like no one lives by the constitution, and like even the new new law signed up by by you know the conscription law that I spoke about in the last episode, that is utterly anti-constitutional. It, again, constitution is a piece of paper. This is the real law by which he actually operates. So he thought that in Ukraine people would operate the same way, you know, that that uh, the local governors would be, would be just as corrupt and that you know that they would only care about money and that they could be easily bribed. And as far as I know Putin was genuinely surprised that some people might actually have genuine feelings of patriotism. He is just impossible. He, he cannot comprehend such things, you see. Girkin can, because Girkin has, you know, has some sort of negative attitude towards these prison laws. He hates Prigozhin, because Prigozhin absolutely, openly lives by these prison laws. And, but uh, Girkin himself understands them, at least. And he's impacted by them, but he despises them as something, as, as Girkin sees, as something below him, because he considers himself a, a monarchist, which is, again, stupid. But, you know, they still tie through everything. And and Putin, by his own actions, by by everything he does constantly, you know, (laughs) this. But if if you look at what Putin does from your from your perspective, okay, from from every from everyday perspective, and you think that he operates by some sort of written constitution or or things that might benefit him by Western standards, then it makes no sense. But if you look at look at Putin's actions through 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 this prison law system, then it all falls perfectly into place and is perfectly predictable. Of course he believes that Ukraine will fall in three days because, you know, he honestly believes that everyone is corrupt just as, just as the guys he put in there, you know, in Russia. And, and he put the governors in in Russia because that's the normal thing that you do. You take care of your, you know, clan, you take care of your gang. We even know the name of Putin's organized crime gang it's uh, called cooperative, uh, cooperative ozir or cooperative Lake. okay so th- it's a thing and and it's been like that since the well, 90s and and this just is, is is everything that that is about putin this is this is Putin's internal mindset internal structure and everything that he thinks about and dreams about so if if you don't know the fact that there are these thieves laws, that they are internalized, and the case system... And there's, like I said, many sub-rules. This is just very, very skimming on top things. And this is already 35 minutes. And yes, I've been going on tangents. It's just because a lot of these concepts are so deep and require so much explanation that I'm just trying to get words into my mouth to kind of skim down on the, the long, long scenarios that I wrote for those previous two episodes to kind of smash them down. And I'm not very good at this because, again, catch and uh, working on news episodes. But yeah, what you need to take away from all this bit chaotic mess by the end, I'm very sorry about that, is that uh, these laws are internalized. Everyone knows them because they have been there and enforced by people of authority. And, you know, they've actually and they change sometimes, but the basic principle is that once you are a part of that world, you can never go get out of it. You can't. And secondly, you have to take care of your own clan. You know, like just like the the Vorv Zakonia, the lawful thief is responsible for for his buddies in prison. He has to take care of them, and gather taxes from other prisoners to feed them and stuff. This is how Putin operates. This is his buddies. Just you know, the, the new tax, the warm places he puts them in. He, he gets them good jobs in Gazprom and everywhere. Yeah, that's it. And what, what happened in the 90s, uh, in, when, the, when the whole period ended, when he consolidated this whole thing, it wasn't like cleansing of oligarchs. I mean, it, it, it might look like that from a Western perspective, but what it actually was, and we can know that it was that way because we have tons of proof about Putin's own mega corrupt dealings and everything, and how he actively hides his family because he's not allowed to have one by thieves' law. Just saying. But um, but yeah, you know, he basically did gang war overtake of everything. And this is, by the way, how up until today government can take away your business because small businesses are destroyed in Russia. I mean, if you are doing something that, you know, is not looking good or sometimes not even that, if you just have a successful business that makes a lot of money, then the government will just come over you, come over to your place and just do random checks every day, 17 checks per day. Until you just sell it off to some government official for extremely cheap monies and then it's going to be owned by some local governor or or some politician or something, Putin's buddy. It's still a normal practice there in Russia. The situation of small and medium businesses is just downright dreadful there. And this is why. But, uh, okay, I understand how this has been super chaotic. Sadly, well, this system is super complex. It's ingrained into culture. We try to get rid of it. It causes problems. It has super specific rules about everything in, in prison life as well. Uh, certain tattoos mark you as a petukh, Certain tattoos signify how many times you've been in prison. There are uh, rules about uh, rules about how to specifically eat uh, uh, certain dishes, where you can eat, with whom you can eat, where you can sleep, uh, how often can you do, I don't know, run things, how often can you drink the very special super hardcore tea. This, uh, it's very vague on top, it's brutal on bottom, and it's just insane if you if you delve into this stuff. It is very complex, and like I said, if you look at Putin from this perspective, then it, he makes perfect sense. He acts like a thief, he looks like a thief, he literally has hanged out with thieves, he's done everything, you know, just... The only thing he hasn't done is he hasn't come out openly and stated that he is one of these people, but not like he needs to do that, when he's doing things that are obvious to everyone living in this area. And again, there's going to be a lot of people who are who are going to be claiming that you know, oh, oh, that's just normal for everyone, and this is just you know something similar in the West. No, this isn't. This isn't. This isn't the internal. You know, the West just don't have this. Mega in-depth internal system. Why? Because you didn't have gulags. You didn't. You did not have gulags, and you did not have political prisoners. Literally, professors of law. For example, professors of law, professors of, of of I don't know various sciences, really educated people. The the intelligence, obviously, whom Stalin sent to prisons to die. Mingling together with with thieves and and brutal repeat offenders and somehow coming up with with, with a bizarre system. This is what makes it interesting, because these laws are obviously made by a unique, perverse marriage of two worlds trying to survive in a bizarre manner. And it, it operates there, and it is there, and getting rid of these things, because, again, this is why, for example, we have a lot of homophobic people... And, and racist people because again you know it's they're different and this is bad by the by these thieves laws. This is by the way also where, for example, to just 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 the final point, to finally illustrate to you how how deep this whole culture thing is with these with these panatti, these thieves laws, and, and how they are ingrained in the everyday society. Not even the people who are. Like involved in this, like like Prigozhin was, and he can't get away from this, and he's he hasn't been into prison for years. He's run he runs Wagner Group. He lives by these laws, and he now worries about Petos fighting together with the common troops. Okay, Th- that's how serious this is. It's not something that they pay lip service to. This is what they live to. So if someone is going to try to tell me that that Putin is not operating by these laws, then I I don't know you might as well tell me the earth is flat or something, it's just, it is not possible. And and again, to show you, the Slav squat, right? Yeah, that comes from here. Slav squat is the thing that you associate most with Eastern Europe, with Russia, comes from the fucking понятия, from the prison law. Because it was considered zapadlo, law is the general term for everything that can make you a petuch. For some dumb reason, because all of these things are dumb, it was considered Zapat law for a while to sit on the cold prison floor. Well, originally it was there because the prison floor was cold and you could get sick, and if you got sick then you couldn't work and then you would get punished, everything. Basically, all these explanations that we would have there just combined into one short short thing and said, you can't do this because then you'll become a petuch." It's easier to explain this to a bunch of prisoners. Less explanation. But basically, yeah, it was totally illegal to sit on the cold floor, and, you know, there are not enough beds, you know, people sleep in shifts. So how do you relax your legs? Well, you slob squat. You're not sitting on the floor, but you're relaxing your legs and you're on the ground. And you can, like, balance that way. That's where this comes from. The most iconic thing that people just imagine, which is, like, in all the memes. Prison culture. And and, and then, you know, all the songs and all, all the slang things. All of this is, like, from here. All, all this randomness. So, a person who... You know, just because, just because Putin's a president doesn't mean he isn't also a thief. But yeah, that's it. Uh, this was so long. And again, I'm very, very sorry. My cat has decided to destroy my recordings today. I uh, tried to put this together from many takes. And uh, what was supposed to be a 15-minute episode where I coherently explain everything uh, got turned into a big one. Oh, boy. And I was supposed to be finishing this up. Oh, I'll go back to work. This, is me- this was meant to, meant to be uh, some sort of an in-between anyways. Uh, but uh, at least I hope it gave you some interest in uh, maybe listening to the other episodes as well. Or, you know, at the very least, I tried. Because uh, this is a very complex and deep subject. And again, if you don't believe me, yeah, literally just find a Russian journalist. Any Russian journalist, a Ukrainian journalist, Belarusian journalist, anyone. Okay, or or analyst, and just ask him, you know, you can do that, I know a lot, of, a lot of you guys who listen to this show probably can do that, just find one and ask him, hey, um, do, do you think that Putin kind of runs country according to Paniacchia? And then, you know, he's going to be a bit stunned because do you know what Paniacchia is, and then he's going to try to explain that, well, yeah, well, kind of, I mean, he does things a bit differently from the traditional laws, but in general, yeah. look, Yes. So it is what it is. <sighs> okay, I I highly doubt I actually enjoyed this episode because it was super chaotic and it, it killed me to make this. And uh, next episode is gonna be old news again. If you if you want to support the show, consider becoming my patron at patreon.com dot com Eastern Border, or you can listen to this episode without advertisements on the Eastern Border Also, we have this Girkin crying Girkin T shirt thing going on. But more about that in the next episode, which is going to be sane, I hope. But you know what? This is kind of a fitting episode when I speak about something as something as vague yet strictly yet, yet as strictly enforced and well defined as paniatia, the And remember, happiness is mandatory.